All right, everyone. Well, welcome to the Village Church Presents Generation Z podcast. We are very excited to be in the studio and be talking about this. So last night, uh, some of you were able to join us as we talked about Generation Z. Uh, Pastor Matt Souls and myself, Pastor Alex Culpepper, uh, we were able to do some research about Generation Z and uh, sort of the the culture, the beliefs, the attitudes, the motivations that they have, the things that that are shaping them. And so we're really excited to share that research with parents. We were able to do that last night, and we're excited to get this information out to everybody. So uh, I'm going to toss things off to Pastor Matt Souls, our student pastor, as he tells us exactly who Generation Z is. So Pastor Matt, why don't you take it away? Tell us about Generation Z. All right. Thanks, Alex. So I'm going to talk about their core identity and some foundational factors first, basically what made them that way. So first, to define Gen Z, we're defining that as anyone born between 2000 and 2012. So born in 2000, that's 18 years ago. Um, They're graduating high school now, they're in college now, and then you work the math back from there. So Gen Z, their core identity um, is that their highest goal is personal happiness and satisfaction. That can be summed up in um, the statement, live your truth or you do you. They, they think anything that makes them happy or they think will give them satisfaction is right and they can go after that and they get upset and there's frustration when they feel like they're being stopped or told no of, of something that is going to, in their minds, make them happy. Uh, for them, the primary marker of adulthood is financial independence. Basically, when do they not need to rely on mom and dad's money? When can they move out on their own? Um, that's getting later and later. Um, and so that's, in a nutshell, basically who Gen Z is in terms of their core. There's a lot of ins and outs there. But some of the things that made them that way or made them the way they are, um, number one is they have a, no knowledge of a world without screens. This is the first generation where um, all they've known and is um, phones, iPads, TVs, screens, and they've had uh, information and entertainment at their fingertips from the get-go. Yeah. Most of you can relate to the fact that your two-year-old or three-year-old is better at your phone than you are. Um, uh, this is also the first generation that's thoroughly post-Christian and post-Bible. Christianity, the Bible, is uh, not the foremost religion and school of thought now. And so this is that first generation that is thoroughly post-Christian and post-Bible. Another formational factor is they've grown up with safe spaces. So they're used to the concept of thinking that a a space or a time or an event can be be offense-free. That uh, they're not going to be offended. They're 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 not going to get injured. They they won't have they won't have any risk basically. So the the, the this thought of safe spaces is um, is known to them. Yeah, and that that uh, thought of safe spaces doesn't it extends beyond the physical realm because that's typically how we conceptualize safety, and it goes even into the realm of ideas and, and that sort of thing. They're used to to people being around them saying, oh yes, we're gonna protect your ideas or at least the ideas that we think are worth protecting and we don't want anybody to be offended. Correct, yes. Um, and I, I've seen, talking with high school students, uh, we can talk a lot about scripture and the Bible, but as soon as I bring up something political, they say, oh, we can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. That's not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's definitely beyond the physical as well. 
Uh, another formational factor about Gen Z is they are pessimistic about the future. Um, entertainment has even caught on to this. A lot of their movies and books, they're about a post-apocalyptic world. Um, some of the things that uh, help them or some things that um, made them this way is a lot of them grew up and remember the um, financial scares of 2008 and 2009. They they saw their families have to pinch pennies and say no to a lot of things, and it, it just it just rocked their world about is is the future going to make me successful, happy, and satisfied? And so they are pessimistic about that. Um, they're also pessimistic about the future in terms of our leadership. Um, most of these books and most of these movies basically portray the adults as having ruined the world, and it's up to a, a gang of four teenagers to you know defeat the monsters, the aliens, to defeat the evil politics, and uh, to repopulate the earth. Um, so that is uh, that is um, permeating their entertainment world as well. With Gen Z, another formational factor for them is diversity is more intense than ever before. And for Gen Z, they think of diversity uh, not as we do. Um, we may think of diversity more in terms of um, uh, one's race, uh, one's creed. But for them, diversity is it's getting into, you know, the... 80 something genders that are out there diversity is getting into um, all these ideas of truths and it's it's more than just color of your skin um, book of religion that you choose to read right. it's it's about a lot more yeah it's a it's a, a diversity of ideas diversity of thought diversity of different kinds of sexuality so it just kind of yeah it the, the list could go on on the levels of diversity that they recognize right. and and they're they're also told to celebrate diversity in any way shape or form yep. and so when someone doesn't celebrate diversity or thinking something other than they do that's offensive to them yep. and so um, now I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Alex. He's going to go through how Gen Z intersects with Christianity. That's good. So, uh, yeah, Gen Z and Christianity. So there are a few, uh, there are going to be categories of values that Gen Z has that are, uh, that actually have uh, uh, have places of agreement with Christianity. There are bridges that we can build with Gen Z in this way. Uh, but then also, um, there are going to be definitely diverging values that Christianity has. And so we're going to talk about some of those. We'll start with the intersecting values. So uh, uh, the, one of the first ones is openness, or even the Christian idea of hospitality. You know, Christians aren't afraid of the world. Uh, we welcome and rub shoulders with everyone, no matter their background. And this is like even the picture of Jesus spending time with uh, sinners and spending time with people who the religious elite thought that he shouldn't be spending time with, right? We, we say all people are valuable. All people are made in the image of God. All people need to hear the gospel. And so so we, we have a high value on just hospitality towards all sorts of people. And G Gen Z also believes that every person and every perspective and all of these things that, that all of these things are valuable and, and every person needs to be respected. And so that they, they have a value for hospitality, for caring for all sorts of people and welcoming 
all sorts of people. And so, um, obviously, there are different motivations at play there for for Christians and Gen Z, but they but they both lead to having a value for for people. And so, uh, the next place where we have intersecting values is the value of diversity. So, Christians, we believe that the gospel is this thing that can unite people from all tribes, tongues, and nations. And so, we have a high value for diversity as Christians. And um, Gen Z, they also share this diversity. And uh, let's just say that like diversity or the lack thereof shows that uh, if they walk into a place, any sort of place, it doesn't matter if it's a school or a church, uh, anywhere that they go and that they see a, a serious lack of diversity, it's actually going to set off an alarm in their head. It's going to tell them that this place is not a place that is good for them to be able to grow. Uh, empathy, that's another place where they intersect with Christianity. Uh, uh, they have a high value for empathy. And so this is a shared value that we have. We simply care for and love people and communicate to them that that we value trying to understand them, uh, even though we might not agree on everything. Uh, and then uh, this fourth value, I think, is really, really important. We're, we'll call the value emptiness. Uh, but basically what it is is that Gen Z and Christians both recognize that there is something deeply, deeply wrong with the world. So previous generations, I would say from about 1850, especially to like, to, to the end of the 1900s, roughly, um, we had a very positive view of humanity. And so we, we really think that humans could excel, that there was general good in humans. And if we could just release that good, that the world would keep getting better and better. And what Gen Z actually recognizes is they see whenever humans get in power and have control over something, they wreck it. They let it uh, just be torn to pieces. And so um, they have a, a pretty pessimistic view of humanity. Uh, and um, we we don't, I, I wouldn't say it's pessimism in our mind, but they have a good, they have probably the most well-formed concept of total depravity that a, any generation up to this point has had. And so we actually have a bridge that we can build there because Christians also acknowledge that when humans have power, like a lot of really bad things happen. Christians acknowledge that humanity is broken at its core, that there's something wrong with this world. The difference that we have, and this is a place where we can build the bridge, is that we actually have a lot of hope for that brokenness. We have the hope of Christ that we can offer to them. And so that's a cool place that we can build a bridge with them. Yeah, and Alex, I'd say along with the emptiness, if their primary goal in life is personal satisfaction, it will leave them empty. Absolutely. And that is a, a really good and fertile ground for the gospel to be shared mm. because we have the the only news that can give them true happiness and, and true joy. And so as they look for happiness and all sorts of things and just keep not finding it, not finding it, not finding it, mm. um, our hope is that the gospel can give them that that joy of knowing God the Father through Jesus Christ. And so that's another way that that value of emptiness intersects with um, an inroad for Christianity and the gospel. That's really good. Thank you. So uh, so then I just want to talk about diverging values. These are places where we are obviously going to have like Gen Z and Christianity are going to be butting heads a little bit. So the first one is moral relativism. Uh, that is uh, a, a big way of saying they just like, they believe that every person should just do their own thing, believe their own thing. Like it doesn't really matter. There are no like overall uh, authorities or, or guiding factors in our life. Everybody just does their own thing. And so you get like phrases like live your truth or, you know, 
you just do you. You do you, Matt. You know, we'll uh, we'll let you do you th- your thing, and I'll do my thing, and then uh, at the end of the day, like we'll all just be doing our thing, and it'll uh, it'll all be good. So they hate it. They hate it when people draw hard lines or anything about objective right and wrong. And obviously, Christians, we believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe that God does have some pretty clear lines of light, right and wrong. And so this is a, a place where we're going to diverge with Gen Z. Uh, another place where we have a diverging value is uh, in their view of God. So in Gen Z's view of God, they look at God and, and everything that he is, and, and they, they say, well, he's probably just this big, uh, distant manager of things. So uh, we call this, uh, we, there's a, a phrase that has been coined around this idea. It's called moralistic therapeutic deism, that there's a, a God out there who has created the world, and he is a distant manager, and he just generally wants people to be happy and like try to be nice to each other. Like that's generally what he wants. So this is uh, this is also equivalent to the concept, you'll see it coming up in media more and more and more, the concept of the universe. Like the universe is really taking care of me today or the universe really wants good things for me today. And so this is another place where we see this concept comes up. And obviously like this is contrasting to the, the, the idea of a Christian God. We believe that God is very personal, that he has like actually come to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ, that uh, we can receive his Holy Spirit through faith and that he can be with us. And so obviously there's a place of diverging values with uh, Gen Z. The next one is sexuality, and that's a big one. And and for Gen Z, I'll just uh, make it as simple as possible. There, For them, there are no boundaries or lines around sexuality. And to draw them is to simply be out of touch with reality. So every time we draw lines around sexuality, it creates frustration for them. Uh, and, and they're saying, well, anybody who does that is out of touch because the times are moving forward. And so, uh, again, this is a place we believe in biblical authority. We believe uh, God has provided like clear boundaries for sexuality and how that's expressed. And so that's a place where we diverge with Gen Z. And then the the last one, or no, no, we have two more. Uh, One of them is money. So they think that the key to them achieving their happiness across the board, because that's their highest value is personal happiness, is financial success. So if they can be financially successful, they watch their parents sort of go through the recession, 2008, 2009. And so uh, so they, they saw what that did to their families. And they said, if I'm going to be successful or, or, or if I'm going to achieve my own personal happiness, then I need to have financial success because that is the key that unlocks it. Uh, this is the key to their fulfillment. And so... So obviously we have a problem with that as Christians. We believe that money is not the uh, the root of all of our happiness. It is not the key to our fulfillment and that we can be fulfilled apart from having financial success. And so the, the last one is technology. Technology is a big one that Gen Z has grown up with. They're the first generation that we can actually say like, They've only ever had technology and high, like they've only ever had screens in front of them. They've only ever had social media. Um, they've there's never been a time when they haven't known these things. And so, technology for them is an addiction. Uh, it can foster inauthenticity. Where um, it, it, on social media they can 
and put the best version of themselves out there for everybody to see. And, and, and they don't know how to do any different, right? Like they just, they when they put something, when they post something on, on Instagram or they, they throw it out there for everybody to see. And they don't want people to see like their mess. They want people to see what they're excelling at and what they're successful at. So they put the best version of their, themselves out there. They manicure their social profile. And uh, this fosters inauthenticity, right? So the next piece is that it also fosters a fear of missing out. So everything that I'm saying right now, inauthenticity, fear of missing out, all these things that we do with social media, I want to like be aware. This is not just Gen Z that has this problem, right? Like parents, uh, like this problem exists amongst us as well, right? Like we have to acknowledge that um, anybody who is of the, the millennial generation or, or even beyond that, like we have to deal with these things that we're doing of manicuring our social profiles and um, all, all of these fear of missing out pieces. Because what happens on social media is that you, like never before were you able to know how often you were left out of something, right? But now, Every time that somebody does something, they post it on a social media page, and then you are acutely aware every time that you have been left out. And that feeling of being left out or missing out it is seriously impacting uh, the next generation. And so, uh, so that's uh, those two pieces. And then the third piece is that uh, this technology it threatens real connection. It threatens them to being able to develop into like social beings who have emotional awareness and and actually be able to connect with people in the moment. So these are all the ways that um, that Gen Z and the the things that are forming them are are diverging with Christianity. So with that being said, I'm going to toss it back to Pastor Matt, who's going to tell us a little bit about Gen Z parents. Okay, yeah. So I want to get into who are their parents. So basically, who are you? And in saying this, uh, we want to put a disclaimer out there that we are not saying that this is you and you are a bad parent. Um, But even in putting that disclaimer out there, it kind of shows why we even need to talk about it. Um, Because we're kind of used to safe spaces and don't, you know... um, don't approach upon um, my way of doing things, my way of thinking. So um, one of the formational factors of Gen Z is that their parents are motivated by fear. Uh, We used to have the phrase helicopter parent, and that's now being replaced with drone parenting. So we all know the phrase a helicopter parent. They'd hover over their their children. Their kids go there. The moms go. Um, You don't drop your kids off at birthday parties anymore. No, you stay there and are bored to tears. Um, That's helicopter parenting. But now we can add the drone parenting to it where we can monitor our kids through social media. We can monitor our kids through online classes. Uh, All of our kids' assignments are online. We can tell exactly how they did so that as soon as they bomb a quiz, we can email the teacher and say, why do they do bad? And the teacher is left in this awkward spot of they really wanted to say because your kid didn't prepare and study, but they have to be polite and say, oh, well, I'll give them another chance. (laughs) So this drone parenting thing um, is there and it's motivated by fear. Our our fear of our kids missing out on something, our fear of our kids um, being cut short in some way, shape or form. Um, But this this approach is a double-minded approach because as parents motivated by fear, um, it's a false fear. And we are, we are protecting our kids where it's hurting them. And we are not protecting our kids from the things that can actually hurt them. Mm. Um, so parents by and large are double-minded in their approach to protect kids. Uh, let me have to do this way. Um, you know, parents are, 
they do not want their kids to take risks. They don't want them to walk down the street. They don't want them to, you know, go to sleepovers. They don't want them to go to this place, to that place. They don't want them to ride their bike without a helmet and elbow pads and knee pads. They don't want them to uh, fill in the blank. But the world is not a more dangerous place than it was 30 years ago. In fact, the worst year was 1991. That was the highest crime rate in the last couple hundred years. And it's since declined a ton from there. Um, But we protect, we don't protect our kids from things like technology. We don't protect our kids from these other worldviews, these other way of thinking that is actually damaging to their soul. So while we are fearful for our kids, we're fearful and we're protecting them in some of the wrong ways. Mm. Um, parents also, we have over full lives. Um, I thought of this as I was coming into work today of, I've got to do this, this, and this today. And at five, I've got to be on a senior trip for three days. And then that mm. leaves my wife doing everything else. And then uh, blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on. Our lives are super full. Um, so much so that we have a student in our youth group um, and our, the other students want to make her a shirt, kind of in love, but also kind of in a challenge um, that says, I love youth group. And then on the back it says, but I've got soccer because mm-hmm. in our mind, she's always missing youth group activities because she has soccer. And it's mm-hmm. just their way of saying, hey, we really miss you and we'd, we'd like you to be around. Um, and as parents, we do that to them. We overfill their lives as well. Um, I just feel bad for my daughter. She goes from school to uh, musical practice straight to Awana on Monday night and Tuesday is horrible. And we wonder why she has a bad attitude. Well, we crammed her schedule full. So, um, and our over, over full lives, uh, that does have some bleeding spiritual effects as well. Um, and as parents, we, can sometimes view spiritual disciplines as legalism. And so we have done a poor job about instilling the value and habit of spiritual disciplines into our children's lives. Um, Christianity, by and large, has done a huge swing in recent years from a a legalistic approach of do's and don'ts, and this is exactly how you should dress and exactly how the worship music should be with the organ and absolutely zero percussion to, man, we've swung way the other way and we're going to church and you know, hipster boots, rolled jeans, flannel shirts, and we're banging the drums as hard as we can. And, you know, it's a grace-filled experience. Well, we've thrown some good things out with that, and spiritual disciplines is definitely one of them because we've started to view some of those things as legalism, and that's uh, been, I think, harmful to us and our kids. Um, Some good things about Gen Z parents is we are big on affirmation and affection. I don't think any kid doubts um, that parents that love their kids really love their kids. We are quick to affirm them. We're quick quick to give them affection, and that's really good. Um, I think another good thing about this is I think as parents now, we are over the participation ribbons, and everyone gets a trophy, and everyone gets this. I think we're over that. It's not about making our kid feel like the best princess or prince or king ever, but it's it's that we, we, we are really open to show them that we love them, and that's a good thing. Um, something else that the research pointed out is that engaged Christian parents really are engaged. And, um, Alex had some definitions for this and I'll see if I can remember them, but. All right. Well, I can actually take that and I can provide us a bit of a definition for how, um, the report, 
uh, defined engaged Christian parents. So engaged Christian parents are those who have attended church in the last six months. Uh, they have a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. They believe in biblical inspiration and authority. Uh, they do more than simply attend church, and they, uh, they, they, that means that they're actually involved in a group. They're, uh, they're serving in a ministry somewhere or something like that. And then uh, they believe in the cross, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's a good definition for engaged Christian parents. Excellent. And so uh, now that we kind of talked about who the Gen Z parents are and who Gen Z is, uh, I want Alex to talk about some of their discipleship needs. So what does um, someone who's in Gen Z, what do they need to be trained in? How can we best come around them and disciple them for the kingdom? Yeah, that's great. So uh, I think uh, in terms of their discipleship needs, the number one thing that they need are engaged Christian parents. Like that is going to be the thing that really sets them on a trajectory that is super duper helpful. So, um, uh, but it, that, that has some qualifiers to it. So the first uh, category of qualifier that I want to throw in there is they need engaged Christian parents that help them think about relevant issues. So they need parents who are going to have conversations with them about maybe some awkward and difficult things to show them how their faith applies to that. So there was a, a culture before maybe within evangelicalism where we might shelter or avoid certain conversations, but um, the exposure that is happening within Gen Z is like... Uh, just 10 times, 20 times what it used to be. They're, they're getting exposed to things so much faster because of technology. And so uh, parents need to be prepared for that and be able to have conversations with them about awkward and difficult things and uh, show them, uh, you know, every conversation that you avoid is another opportunity for them to see that their faith might not be applicable to the situations that they're facing. And so just be willing to tackle those, uh, those hard conversations. Um, they need engaged Christian parents that train them in spiritual discipline. So this is regular daily patterns of Bible reading and prayer. This is weekly patterns of going to church. This is uh, parents who are going to show them the value by showing them the space that the Lord has in their time uh, through these things that um, that they would just see the value of these habits and uh, seek to reinforce them in their own lives. Yeah, Alex, and I would say that with that, um, we don't need engaged Christian parents that are so engaged and overfull that we just bring our children along and hope that they absorb it. Yes, um, absolutely. I remember when Michael did his uh, series on kings, he said the phrase, what one generation assumes, the next neglects, what one neglects, the rest, Reject. the next rejects. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. if we're engaged so much so, but we don't bring our kids along we don't make them um not not partners but we don't make them owners with us in that um then they will be the ones that um not just assume but they actually neglect it in the next generation that's that's really really helpful thank you for that so the the next uh thing that they need from their parents is uh, uh and from their their church is just guided exposure to alternative worldviews so there uh there is an increased diversity in their world and diversity this is diversity of thought diversity of uh skin color diversity of uh nationality diversity of background diversity of language like diversity is increasing across the board but what comes along with increased diversity is just things that they've never 
encountered before. And so uh, they just they need to, to know how to deal with uh, the, the differing views that are going to be out there. They need to know early on to expect, hey, not everybody believes the things that we believe. And this is this is how we handle that. And so uh, so, yeah, I already talked about how we used to we used to be very sheltering of that, but um, we can't ignore the need to teach them how to engage people who think differently from them in a Christ-centered and loving way who have uh, who have perspectives different from the Christian perspective. And then, Alex, with that, something a couple of the parents brought up last night was around this question. Yeah. And one question was, what do you mean by exposure? Yeah. And so we wanted to clarify that exposure means um, talking about a worldview or a way of thinking or a reality of the world, like you said, before the world gets to them yes. and in an age-appropriate way. It's, I said, it's not like I'm going to show my kid an R-rated movie and be like, hey, you're watching it with me, so it's okay, right? Buddy. Yeah, just But it's more um, um, questions, and I think it was Kevin Chandler brought up that they ask really good questions of, hey, what would you do at school if someone showed you this? Oh, that's so Or good. what would you do at school? And so you ask them questions to see what they're thinking, and then you can use that as an opportunity to train them in, in some of those things that they might experience. And yep. so just some clarification around yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. And the other thing that uh, was mentioned along with that is what happens is once you start having those conversations with them and then and, and you start asking them those questions and they say, yeah, you were— you were right about that. You actually develop credibility with them for them to keep coming back to you for those conversations so that when they when they, when they they run into a difficulty at school, they can actually come and have a discussion with you about it. So that's that's super, super helpful. Um, another piece that would be, be really helpful for parents and uh, for us to be able to do as we disciple kids is uh, and students is to know how to dismantle relativism uh to know how to dismantle the idea that you know you just you you do you and i'll do me and uh, live your truth and that whole thing like there is only one truth there is only like the authority of scripture is the highest authority and so um so we recognize that we want to instill in them a value for the authority of scripture and then on top of that there are like very simple logical arguments that can dismantle relativism like uh there is uh, there's no absolute truth. That statement, there is no absolute truth, is in itself an absolute truth, right? So uh, so that's like a logical argument that makes you go, oh, okay, well, that doesn't really work that well, right? So there's logical argument, but here's like here's the other piece in all honesty. Like the Holy Spirit, they get the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dismantles them and shows them what truth is. And so just be praying for your kids that the Holy Spirit would reveal to them what truth is and help them uh, just stick wholeheartedly to biblical authority, the authority of Scripture and the authority of the Word of the Lord in their lives. So, um, so that's dismantling relativism. The other, their other discipleship need they need teaching that is adjusted to their changing learning styles and tools. So, uh, Matt and I have actually been making some changes that fit better with Generation Z in our um, in our different programs. And uh, I know Matt's doing some unique things in Forge training them. And uh, just in critical thinking and learning. So Matt, I'm going to toss this to you because uh, you're doing something really unique in Forge and I want uh, I want people to be able to hear about it. So um, what I what I saw from uh, my time teaching in a Christian school and teaching Bible and, and asking kids um, 
you know, we would read a passage and then I would ask them to basically go from A to D, let's say, you know, okay, it, A was said, I want you to think and I want you to process this and I'm going to ask you a question pertaining to D. So they've got to be able to critically think through B and C and then arrive at D. And what I found was because of um, the accessibility of information and answers and their their screenagers and Google and Google <laughs> right yeah they're 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 really unable and this part of their thinking this part of their brain really hasn't been developed really well to take in information process it and give a conclusion give a give um give their thoughts on it they just want to look for the answer mm. and so um i've been doing some teaching about spotting the lie or spotting the heresy so i'll show a video clip of a teacher of a preacher and we'll talk about it and i'll ask them the questions to help them get from a to d um and in terms of okay they, they were just shown this guy saying something about the battle of jericho and god's will in it and what it means for us and i say hey did he miss the point do you think that's what that really is about um and to help them um critically think through these issues and two to to spot the lie because i want them to know that there are lies out there relativism being one of them and um a me-centered version of christianity where it's about my happiness it's about my health and wealth it's um it's about my personal growth and development um i just want to expose that and and get them to be able to critically think about those things yeah, that's really good. So, uh, so yeah, they um, again that lack of value for processing information. They just want the answer. They want the point and click sort of thing. So that's just uh, something that's a reality of their learning style uh, that we are just recognizing and trying to um, sort of combat. We recognize that they learn these things, but we want we want them to be able to develop those processing skills. So uh, the the last piece, their last discipleship need uh, that we really see is just real in person, authentic Christian community. Um, they need people who love them, who believe in Jesus, who will seek their good, who will bear their burdens, and they need to be around these people on a continual basis. So get this. Every uh, Sunday, your kids aren't in church. Every time church is not a priority a priority for them, or every time uh, something else uh, takes the place of church in their schedule, it actually teaches them that uh, they don't have to have a high value for it, right? So every so if you're if you're at church like one once a month or, or twice a month, every time that that happens, you're showing oh well this is maybe like maybe a medium value that there's something else that is like is on an equal playing field with church attendance to them. So, so that's the, those are kind of the lessons that they pick up for this. And uh, if, if that's the case, they're never going to develop the, the value for Christian community if their time is consumed with just all of these things to do. Uh, and so, so it's really going to be helpful to help them prioritize Christian community, real in person, authentic, um, that, that will help them sort of develop that value. Okay, so you we, know, Alex. Oh, you want to go yeah. on that? Before we move on to the so what's, just a, an observation I have about that fifth point that they need real, in person, authentic Christian community is that if you look at our church right now and you look at the leaders that are in, that are volunteering within youth group, if, if you look at the 20 somethings mm -hmm. that are engaged, and I, I, you know, you use that phrase sold out for Jesus and, yeah. and actively trying to follow him. Mm -hmm. They're the kids that were in the village youth group 
mm. eight years ago. That's they're good. still friends. They're in each other's weddings. Yeah. They are engaged in in-person, authentic Christian community, and they support each other. They call each other out. They, they're, are a, they're, they're a good example of that, that that is something that really can make faith stick and last. Mm, that's really, really helpful. Thank you for that. All right, so we have some so what. Uh, so we, we've just talked now for almost 35 minutes, and uh, we want to give you some tools, something to walk away with from this. So Matt has the first one. Tell us about our first so what. All right, our first so what is the phrase risk fosters growth. And so what, um, going back to um, double-minded parents motivated by fear, helicopter, drone, but maybe not necessarily protecting our kids from the right things. Um, we're, we're, we're creating kids that are less creative, less adventurous, because we're not allowing them to take risks. And wh- what I mean by risks is um, I want my kids to do something where they could fail, where failure is a legitimate option. Hmm. And it's not failure that's going to wreck them. It's just they're going to fail and they're going to learn from it. I'm going to ask them to do a chore where maybe they don't know the best way to do it, but I'm going to watch them figure it out. I'm, I'm, I, I want them to do something where, you know what, they couldn't do it the best way. And this is a chance for them to grow. I also want them to do things that they could get hurt from. Um, that's, that's not to say that I want them to get hurt. Uh, I was talking to a parent after (laughs) this and he was saying, okay, so my girls were wrestling in the living room. They were doing gymnastics and I'm like, ah, and he, he, he said he stopped them, but then he felt bad about it. And Mm. he was asking me where I draw the line. And and I said, listen, my kids ride their bikes without helmets or knee pads. (laughs) Okay. But they don't ride their bikes on the street without helmet, without a helmet. They can ride in my yard. They can ride on my little road thing. That's fine. But as soon as they go where there's cars, mm. they have to have a helmet on. It's, yeah. I, I, I just said, like, if, if, if you could tell yourself you were negligent, then, yeah, you shouldn't let them take that risk. Right. That's, so I said, if they were wrestling and doing gymnastics in the living room, like, make sure the coffee table's moved Yeah. so you don't have a sharp edge. Like, mm. I wouldn't leave a piece of rebar sticking up out of my yard while they're riding their bike. I mean, right. so I want them to take risks. I don't mind when they get hurt a little bit because it, it, it breeds this ad- adventuresome spirit. It, it, it breeds um, just a value of, of taking risks and knowing that, you know what, things that are scary and things that are shaky, you don't have to be afraid of them. Um, and so each parent needs to know where to draw that line. Each, each parent needs to know what they're comfortable with. And I'll say this. As parents, we don't need to shame each other when we have differing mm. values. Um, and we're going to have some different values in terms of tech, and uh, I'll jump in on that here after Alex talks. But um, just wanted to, to, to challenge us that you know we, we give our children real opportunities to do work, real opportunities to create, real opportunities for adventure, and we let that build into their character. That's really good. Uh, the next so what is this? Guard your heart now has a new definition, um, or at least an added definition, and that is this, guard your technology. Um, so uh, physical safety, we, we talked about this double-mindedness, how we were so concerned about physical safety that we would neglect maybe the technological safety, right? But all of these things now go together. And so they, they actually, like, 
it's really helpful to set boundaries around their technology and how they use technology, especially because they're at an age where it's really easy that they could quickly develop an addiction to it and those sorts of things. And we want to, we want to help them to be able to set boundaries and come up with new strategies and that sort of thing. It's uh yeah. So, so, um, there are, it's interesting, even iOS 12, I think they now have come up with a, a setting for you to be able to like manage the, the amount of screen time that is allowed for, for different apps. And then, uh, you can, you can even manage screen time itself to say, okay, after an hour or after 30 minutes or after 20 minutes, you can just shut it down. And so, um, so those are, those are some helpful tools that are, that are coming out in terms of, setting boundaries which uh what what is interesting is that uh, there has to come a certain point though when when uh they learn to be setting the boundaries for themselves and and to be owning those boundaries and it's not just something that's consistently placed upon them they learn to see the value for it and it doesn't just become like a legalism piece for that so yeah and i'd, I'd add to that so we had some some questions kind of around that of um, okay, well, things like things like video games, some some screen times. You know, parents are going to have some differing values, and we don't want to teach our kids to be legalistic with this. Right. Yet, we also said if there's something that's going to be damaging to their soul, yeah, I will absolutely draw a hard line on, Amen. Yeah, on yeah, something. Sure. Um, and so I was just thinking. Um, Brienne said that basically she, she said Elix will never have a video game system, and I don't want him to play it. And yep. da, da, da. and I said, you know what? I kind of look forward to playing Mario Kart and Duck Hunt with my kid. Right. Um, but what I have to be able to do as a parent is respect her wishes. Yes. So that's when good. when her kid comes to my house, they're absolutely not going to play video games. Right. And I'm not going to, you know, shame her on Facebook with an article about the benefits of video <laughs> gaming and, you know, like right. it's, it's we just have to be Christian in the way we parent our right. kids. Yeah, we have to recognize that there's difference, right? Yeah. And people are going to have different values and that's good and everybody has like really good reasons for their values and so we're not going to go about shaming, but we are going to we're going to all be doing our best to disciple our kids. All right, so the next so what is personal equipping. So answer this question for yourself. Can you answer the tough questions biblically and compellingly? Um, and that's the questions. I mean, there there's a myriad of questions your kid could be asking. Um, hey, in science, we learned about this. This is what my teacher said. Uh, well, one, I would want to have that conversation before they heard it in science, but... I would want to have that conversation in a biblical way and in a compelling way, not in a way that cheapens Christianity to, well, just do it. It's it's what the pastor said. It's what I said. It's what the Bible says. But show them what the Bible says. Right. Bring it to them with, with vision and with clarity and in a compelling way. And, you know, if you can't answer those questions biblically and compellingly— um, there's a lot of resources. There are some great podcasts. Uh, we just got sent one after the— the talk uh, yep. from a D6 podcast. The D6 podcast, yeah. It's a really yeah, helpful there's family a, ministry podcast. You know, there's Alex and myself who, <laughs> I mean, Alex, as much as I love sitting here and talking on a microphone, pretending there's people here, I would much rather be talking with a parent and a oh, kid about a deep issue. Yeah. And, you know, then I don't have to go tweak my budget and something like, I want to have <laughs> biblical compelling conversations with yes. people all day. That's why yes, I yes, do yes. this. So, yeah, there's there's resources, there's people, there's personal Bible study that is nothing against, you know, today in the word or whatever, but, you know, 
getting to a Bible study where you use your concordance and the references and you are digging in um, to be able to equip yourself for those questions. That's good. All right. uh, Another so what is that we need to be training kids in spiritual disciplines. So this is prayer, Bible study, Christian community, worship. Christian service, giving, caring for the poor, all of these things that we could we could continue to list off the 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 myriad of, of spiritual disciplines that that are out there and all of these help to form Christians into the kind of people that God desires us to be in all honesty. And so uh, so training giving kids the value for spiritual good disciplines. Now, um, the, here's the reality. We could tell them all about how important this value is. Matt and I, I'm talking about Matt and I right now. We could tell kids all about the value for how important these things are. And we can actually develop venues for these some of these values to be exercised in. But in all honesty, the long-term development of spiritual habits it, it has to happen at home it has to happen at home it's not going to happen we we only have so much that we can do we can uh, hit on the value we can provide uh, the venue occasionally but uh, honestly uh, it's it's we parents we need your help and um and we're um so in order to be able to do that that's that's uh, that's something that has to happen at home so train them in spiritual disciplines all right, and the last so what, um, this hits home. It hits home for me in a lot of ways, um, and it, it, it's a challenge, and I would like it to be a challenge for you, is prioritize what is most important. Um, last night we talked about this funny Babylon Bee, which is like fake news articles that are meant to be funny. Um, showed a picture of this nice-looking couple, and they're just flabbergasted, and the caption was... Um, uh, Christian couple baffled at daughter's lack of faith despite quarterly church attendance. Oh, that hurts. But, you know, as funny as that is, I mean, why can't I slow my life down? Mm. Why can't I put my phone down during dinner when it buzzes and I think it's something about work or something Mm. about a job or somebody needs something? Mm. Well, no, my, my kids need me to be fully engaged. So why can't I prioritize what's most important to get what I want most from my kids, from my family? Um, and honestly, for the legacy that I, I hope I have when I'm 75, and if the Lord doesn't come back before then, I want my kids to have Christian kids that have Christian kids. Like I yeah. I want a spiritual Good. legacy. And to do that, I have to have some tough conversations with myself. I have to have some tough conversations with my wife about are we prioritizing what's most important hmm. or are we being lazy in X, Y, Z? Um, and so we just really need to prioritize that. Um, it's good. And it's, it's going to be, um, painful in some way, shape or form. Um, you're gonna have to call your spouse out every now and then. <laughs> Don't want to count the number of times Lauren said the dinner table's phone free. Come oh, on, man. you're right. You're right. So, um, yeah, we, we have to be willing to, uh, do the, to do the hard work. Um, my, my wife said last night that, uh, because there's a question, uh, proposed of, okay, let's say my kid is on technology already too much. Mm. How do I go back? And my wife said, you know what? You, sometimes you need to apologize and say, you know, I was wrong. It's not, you were wrong. You're not being punished for doing anything bad. I need to go right. back and apologize to you. Mm. And I'm sorry That's that good. my parenting was, here beyond the screen because I don't want to give you an alternative. I need to right. get something done. That's you know, good. that happens in our mm. family sometimes. And so <laughs> it's, um, we, again, we need to own it. 
and prioritize what's most important. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, so uh, in light of all of that, the other thing I would just say, like there are really practical steps that we can take, but just just pray for your kids. Pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to them the things that they need to work on, reveal to them what is true and right and good and holy, and that they would pursue um, pursue those things. So uh, we were really happy to be able to share this with all of you, and we hope that you will find this really, really useful. Uh, we invite you, uh, we're going to post this on uh, the VCOB Kids Ministry Facebook page. If you have questions and stuff like that, you can post them there. Uh, I think we might even kick a few questions over to the Q&A podcast, the Village Church Q&A podcast for them to to handle in there. And so, uh, so yeah, if you have anything that you would like to offer or give for that, go ahead and post them in the comments here, uh, and we would be really happy to to deal with those. Thanks so much for listening.